0: On this episode of The Playbook, I have the incredible Inky Johnson. He is a former collegiate superstar, host of the Serendipity with Inky Johnson podcast, but we're going to talk about the super GPS. That's right, faith and perseverance. Join me for all this and more on The Playbook. This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook. Where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success and what made them champions on the field and in the boardroom. I'm your host, David Meltzer. I am so excited I got the motivational speaker, former collegiate football player, but all around swell fella, Inky Johnson. Welcome to the playbook.
1: No man, it's an, it's an honor for me, man. I greatly appreciate it. oh i'm so
0: fired up man you and i like i thought i had it rough right i had six kids a single mom two bedroom apartment you had 14 people with two rooms and you because of that though i i have a problem being alone you know i I didn't i always shared a bedroom. i had you know three you know three people in a bed i i like i slept in a windowsill one time because it was more comfortable and i was so small I just put a couple of pillows in the windowsill and slept in there because it was more comfortable. Um, did you ever have any issues about attention or, or being alone because of the other side of what most people see when you're in a crowded house with a bunch of people?
1: Yeah, I think um, the issue that 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 situation and circumstance birthed in me, and I'm just starting to kind of you know flesh it out, is I had to ignore and become numb to so much in order to accomplish some of the things that I wanted to accomplish, whether it was in sports or just daily life, because there was so much transpiring and so much going on from, you know, just family being in that house, uncles, aunts, cousins, uh, my sister. And so when I was in that environment, it was so many distractions that I had to just become numb to that once I got into adulthood, it was certain things that I would try to ignore but now it was time to start addressing certain things. And my whole life coming up through childhood, I was coming up in this environment with so many people that I had to ignore, and it was kind of working to my advantage. Now when I moved into adulthood and I was in college or in certain environments, and now they wanted me to address certain things, I had to go back and kind of work through the toolbox to find a new set of tools to deal with different situations and circumstances.
0: Yeah, life will keep throwing those circumstances at us but one of the other commonalities is you were actually, you know, not only do you play at Tennessee and you were a superstar, but you were the team captain. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's very interesting to me, the personality of team captains, you know, I look for consistent dependent variables in people and all great motivational speakers have some sort of not only leadership capacity, uh, but they quantitatively can articulate, that leadership, you know, Ray Lewis is one of those guys who inherently within his being, he's not only a leader by his performance on the field, which you and Ray were able to do much better than I could as I got older, you know, before college, I I could do it. But once I got to (laughs) college, I I was limited. Like I told you I'd have been a better cheerleader. But uh, speaking of which, you know, but I still could articulate and motivate and ended up defensive captain my senior year. how much of that experience of being a captain helped you to move on uh, after football to be such a great speaker?
1: I think more than anything, uh, the part that helped me, uh, Dave, was when I first got there, and you know how it is, man. you move into these settings uh, with athletes and, you know, a lot of people, they just want to say things to, whether it be the walk-ons or whether it be the younger guys, you know, they kind of want to beat their chests at these guys. And, you know, when I got into one of those roles where there was leadership, counsel, captain, you know, I sought counsel when I moved into those roles, you know, from people that I thought were great leaders, whether it was an educator I had, a coach that I had. One of the first things they told me was, hey, Inc., you got to have a certain level of empathy, right? You got to be willing to look at things from other people's point of view, right? But you also have to have accountability and you have to challenge people. But when you challenge them, you have to come at them from a place of conviction and love. And so for me, I was never a big talker, right? I was more so, I'm a lead. And then when something needs to be said, I would say it. But I was never just this guy that was just a rah-rah guy. Even when people see me now, they're like, man, that guy's motivational. But if you talk to a lot of my teammates, they would say, man, Ink was quiet. But he would say something when it needed to be said. But I was more so, I'm a lead by example. So when I needed to say something, guys couldn't point back to my actions and say, hey, Ink, there's a contradiction here between what you're saying and what you're doing. And so I wanted to lead by example first. And then when I needed to say something, people were respected because they knew it was coming from a place of both love and conviction.
0: Two important things combined with empathy can really set forth, I think, a catalyst for other people to share the inspiration that you have. And you've been inspired your whole life. And just like me, not everything always went our way, right? From rags to riches, Back to rags again, back to riches. Um, for you, extremely motivational because it actually had, you know, for me, it was losing all my money, which is painful enough. But, you know, you lost the use of your arm uh, at the top of your game, you know, one of the top recruits I remember. I was in the game of recruiting players, so I know how good you were. Um, but, you know, that at a young age can be devastating. You wrote an autobiography, an amazing story of faith and perseverance. You know i believe in the enjoyment of the consistent persistent pursuit of my potential talk me through that change of you know it's i know it's like for me basically when it came to athletics you were a multimillionaire, and in one play it all got taken away from you i at least had a few years to see the writing on the raw wall <laughs> when i lost all 100 million dollars but you know ironically yeah. what how did you deal with that change and what lessons you know, were you able to garner from that, that is taking you to the next level?
1: You know, David, like it, it hurt like a lot, man. Like I always tell people because like, even with young people, right. Like I tell people all the time, like if I'd have met you when I was young, right. I looked at David and thought like, man, he had to always want to be this guy that he is right. I just used to think that way when I would meet people, I would be like, man, they had to always want to be that. But now, you know, being a father, a husband, getting a few experiences under my belt, you know, like I realize that it's a journey and it's a process. And even when I speak to people, they're like, man, Ink, I see you now, like it's great, strength, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, no, man, it was a process and a journey, right? It was heavy disappointment on the front end. Like I cried in the hospital. I apologize to a lot of people that helped me get to that point. But the thing that really freed me, I'm an extremely loyal person. And just because of the way I grew up the things that I went through when somebody would help me, even at a young age, like I never wanted to let them down. Like when somebody would do things for me, like the first coach that put me in organized sports, Trey Hurst, right? Paid for me and my cousins to play ball. And in my family, the only people that went to college was me and my cousins. And he was in that hospital the day my injury happened. And I'll never forget crying and apologizing to him and just saying, man, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. And he was like, what are you sorry for? eh? I was like, I can't make it to the NFL and pay you back. And he was like, man, you think I did what I did for you just so you could make it to an NFL? I was like, yeah, I thought that was part of it. He was like, man, bump the NFL. Like, I don't even watch the NFL. He said, I did that so you could become a decent human being. He said, the only thing I want from you, Inc., is for you to take what you've experienced and pay it forward in the lives of other people. He said, the only thing I want is if you have a family, try to become a decent husband, man. Try to become a decent father. He said, just use it. And in that moment, it freed me, right, to really focus on the situation, really try to extract something from the situation. But the thing that I gained most, David, was like when I hit opposition and adversity, it doesn't paralyze me. You know, for a lot of people, when they hit extreme opposition and adversity, you know, it could be traumatic and it could paralyze them, make them not want to do something, make them look at a situation. It don't paralyze me. What it does for me is it energizes and fuels me with the love of gratitude that's unbelievable it just made me more grateful for life it made me want to get up and live my life even more it made me want to go even harder it made me want to impact even more and so because I felt like my life had been spared even though I got left with a paralyzed right arm and hand my gratitude it energized me
0: It's so interesting because faith and perseverance uh, I see faith is what I call the the super GPS, because what faith does, and you're living testament to it, right? It reroutes us, you get a flat tire, you get a flat arm, you miss an exit, you go to the donut shop when you should have been going on the track and the road, it's Mm. gonna reroute you, but it's the super GPS because it's not rerouting you back to the destination you think you're supposed to be at, the NFL. It's Mm. rerouting you to a better place, a better situation, and you got to use faith to put you there and gratitude is such a big part of that. I learned it from my mom. I come downstairs, you know, with the wrong attitude and she sent me back upstairs and say, don't even come to the breakfast table with that, right? Wow. Be grateful. And yeah. that's that saved my life, man. Because, hmm. you know, stuff got really hard and the falls get really big when everybody has these expectations and you're loyal and you want to live up to the expectations thinking you owe it to them to make it. You owe it to them and they're not, you know, you define yourself by the NFL. You define yourself by how much money you make. And yet here it all goes for you. You even named your podcast, Serendipity with Inky Johnson. And I was hoping that you could explain how serendipity can play into the role of difficulty challenges I always call it that pain is not a stop sign, as you just suggested. Mm-hmm. It's just an indicator, a turn signal that you got somewhere better to be. How do you <laughs> define good. serendipity?
1: Yeah, I love that, man. What you just said that was awesome. But it's just like I believe in all of our journeys and all of our lives. We hit serendipity, right? It's like subscribing to that train of thought that things don't happen to us. They happen for us, but also having the perspective to extract the serendipity having a perspective to look at a situation and actually put the pieces to the puzzle. And I always say to people, when we go through things, it's human nature, human behavior, to wanna understand it, right? To wanna say, man, why did this happen, happen to me? Like, why do I have a paralyzed arm? It's people that are going through things right now with the pandemic or trying to get over it. People lost businesses. I'm sure when you went through what you went through with your money situation, it was a point in time. He was like, man, what is this, right? And I always say to people, Take that same energy that you focused on trying to understand it and just survive it, right? Just survive the moment. And once you survive the moment and you get a little peace and you get over the hill, then you look back and you put the pieces to the puzzle. You find the serendipity in the journey. You learn from it, you extract it, and you apply it to add value to environments and people's lives that you come in contact with. And so for me, it's just waking up every single day, treating serendipity just the way I treat gratitude. Every single day, getting up and looking for it because it's present but we miss it sometimes because we're not looking for it or because we don't want to see it. And so can we have the perspective to find the serendipity in all of our journeys, but also extract the lessons that's in it and apply it to our own personal lives and help others as well.
0: You know, I think of Inky Johnson, I definitely don't think of a why me person. I think mm-hmm. of a try me person and I, <laughs> I take your philosophy to even the next level, because things don't happen to you. You're no victim and they don't even happen for you as you suggest. Uh, Mm. it's more as if your coach who changed your life, it happens through you for others. Mm. And when we can shift the paradigm in our perspective, like you have life is coming through Inky Johnson. He has his books and his podcast and his speaking life's coming through you with appreciation, forgiveness, and accountability with that inspiration, the in spirit that you have. What do you tell people? You know, here we have the pandemic. Uh, not everybody sees the, the world like you and I through us. What do we tell people that are in the scarce world that feel like they're a victim? The why me people out there who are complaining, they're finding void shortages and obstacles. What do you tell those people today as you're out there motivating and inspiring people?
1: Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny, Dave, I was in St. Louis and, um, you know, I had my whole plan. You know how it is when we speak, man, we you know, we have our stuff. We're ready to go. We prepare, you know, we do our due diligence and I'm ready to go. And I'm just backstage, man. And it keeps hitting me, right? Hey, start your presentation off this way. It's just my conscience. And I'm trying to ignore it. You know, I got my way that I want to go with it. And it stays on me. And when I get up to speak, I just started off in a different way. And what I say was, hey, guys, tell me something that you're grateful for as a result of this extra time that you have at home, as a result of what's transpired and happened that you probably wouldn't have had before the pandemic or before this time. You wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to do certain things. Just tell me something that you're grateful for. And the lady stands up and she says, hey, I get to talk to my mother every day now. Right. And she's over in China and tears started to roll down her face. She was like, before then, I couldn't do it because of work, because of time. And a guy stands up next to her and he says, hey, um, I got the opportunity to see my first kid being born. He says, I know for a fact. And he was just balling, big guy. And he's bawling, he said, I know for a fact, if I was working and the schedule was the same, I never wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to witness that moment. And it impacted me. And after a while, the room was just standing up sharing different things. And it was so beautiful. But what I was trying to do was, I just wanted to shift the perspective for a split second. right? We know what the situation is. It's as if we're traveling the road and it's full of adversity and opposition, and we can see it. Like me and David is out there, we're tracking, and we can see the opposition. And it's like, hey man, are we just gonna talk about the opposition and adversity all day? Or are we gonna shift our perspective for a split second and try to focus on something else and see the benefit or see how we can use it? And so my challenge every single day is get up and just try to find adversity and find opposition, but not only find it, find gratitude in the midst of it so you can use it. And at the end of every day, journal at least three things. I journal every single day. I journal at least three things that have happened or transpired that day whether it was inconvenient, whether I didn't like it, or it was something great that could help me grow. But I write it down and every single day I reflect back to it and use it as a tool for my own personal growth to help me develop as a man.
0: Yeah, you definitely have the scope of finding the light, the love and the lessons that's indicated by the pain or the mistakes or failures or setbacks that we receive and helping other people find that light, love and lessons is an extraordinary ability, which you do so well. Last thing real quick, you know, you talk about, you know, you have your your podcast with Serendipity with Inky Johnson, but you have your amazing story, which blends faith and perseverance, which to me is one of the most difficult things to, to, to articulate is how do we blend being persistent and perseverant compared to allowing things to happen? You know, people ask me all the time, don't you have any goals, man? You talk about <laughs> detaching your emotions from an outcome. I'm I'm a hard. I'm a ferocious Buddha. Let me just tell you that, you know, I'm very Buddhist, but I am a ferocious one, man. No one's going to stop me. I'm like a dog holding onto a tire, a pit bull. But how do you blend, you know, that allowance of faith, right? The allowing of things to happen with you know, that incredible competitive nature that you have persevering and persistence and consistency that has made you just such a testament of an icon for people to look at and to listen to, uh, to ascertain what they want in their lives. Absolutely, I firmly believe, David, like when things show up
1: that we didn't expect, that we didn't want and that we can't control, obviously it's there to teach us something. Right, like when I look at my own injury, I had a brachial plexus avulsion, as you know, ruptured my subclavian artery in my chest, you know, almost lose my life overnight. Wake up the next morning, right arm and hand paralyzed. I got an incision down the left side of my neck, incision across the right side, twice through my right ribs, cut out my right pec, bottom of my armpit to the bottom of my hand, 350 staples in my body, bandages from my neck to my knees. Career over, overnight, right? I was just making a tackle that I had been making since I was seven years old. But for some strange reason on this day, in this game, the outcome was different. You look at the coronavirus, it hits the world. Nobody really expected it or warranted it, right? People are working, doing their thing. People start to lose jobs, lose employment. People's lives get turned upside down. One day you're on top of the world, you wake up tomorrow and the world is on top of you. Even if you didn't do anything to bring that upon yourself, the situation is present right? We can't do anything about it. Now it's time to focus on the solution and the response. And so the thing that I feel like my one advantage that I do have, I'm willing to fight for what I want in life. And what I, when I say what I want, I'm not just talking goals, dreams, and aspirations. I'm talking peace. I'm talking happiness. I'm talking perspective. I'm talking spirit. I'm talking joy. I'm willing to fight for those things, right? In the midst of the situation that may be present, in the midst of the circumstance that may be present, Like when they told me my arm and my hand was paralyzed, I was like, cool, my heart isn't, my dedication isn't, my commitment isn't, my ethos isn't, right? My essence isn't, the thing that makes me who I am as an individual, it never got paralyzed. And so if I could just find perspective for a split second, if I can't find it, I'm willing to fight for it every single day when those situations pop up that we didn't warrant, that we didn't expect and we can't necessarily do anything about it, I firmly believe it's there to teach us something Now we have to be willing to fight for whatever it takes in order to acquire the spirit, the perspective, and the mindset that we wanna attain to get through it.
0: Boom, drop the mic on fire here with Inky Johnson. Incredible man, you just testified to something that I believe that I am health, I am wealth, I am happiness, I am forgiveness. I just have to figure out what's interfering with my health, my happiness, my wealth at all times, regardless of the serendipity that occurs which I suggest everyone go out, listen to, download the podcast Serendipity with Inky Johnson. Buy his book, reach out to him. He's an incredible motivator, incredible inspiration to all. Live in the essence of my unbelievable superpower GPS that allows you to have faith that. that we're gonna all end up somewhere better with the right perspective. Inky, thank you so much for everything that you do. I look forward to doing more with you. If you never need anything at all, man, you are planting seeds as your coach did. You're planting seeds under trees that you may never sit under, my brother, but they're being planted. Trust me, this podcast is a testament to it and everything that you are doing as well. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Playbook as much as me. On a personal note, I just wanted to thank everyone for making The Playbook such a success. Don't forget to continue it by sharing, subscribing, and listening to your favorite episodes. This is Dave Meltzer with The Playbook.